Warning, the following recordings are vocal in nature. This is Sound Tales. Sound Tales is stories, songs, and sounds made 100% by the human voice. Dear listeners, we now return to the pond and find Billy and Sachi preparing themselves to step into the unknown. This is Sound Tales, The Journey Home, Part 3. The story begins now. Sachi were awake so early that they saw the very last star fade away into the pre-dawn glow. This was the morning of their great adventure, the beginning of their journey to the city on the ocean. Ma and Pa were also awake, waiting at the pond's edge. When all four frogs were submerged in the waters, they began to sing. Mm-hmm. Farewell on your journey, farewell. Farewell on your journey, farewell. You took a chance to be a friend. Do, do, do. finished, and the frogs crawled out of the water. Remember everything we've learned on our travels together. You two are going somewhere I've never seen. You have the map? Sachi's nimble, bright orange fingers had fashioned a cross-strapped carrying sack that held Old Frog's map in its bamboo case tightly to Billy's back. Yes, Pa. The rest of the sack was stuffed tightly with dried algae cakes and lakeweed. Pa had even made horsefly jerky for Billy and Sachi to take on their journey. He hid it deep in their sack. He hoped it might raise their spirits if the journey became difficult. Sachi quickly climbed up Billy's back and took the map case out of the sack. The yellow line leads east from this pond. We continue upriver. Sachi paused. Hearing himself say the word river brought on a flood of memories of home. The rainforest, the overflowing brown river that ran through it like its blood. We would then arrive at a great pond, much larger than this one. A large river forms here. 
A single orange finger pointed to the map where the yellow line continued away from the great pond. This river has markings of fast water. Very fast. The yellow line branched left and right in smaller and sharper angles, tributaries of the river, twisting and turning towards the ocean. And I think here is the great city on the ocean. And Old Frog said that we catch a ride in the belly of a metal fish from there, and that the fish blows smoke and screams. Keep each other safe. We know that you are the one to take this journey with Sachi. Since the day you two met, your lives have been linked together. Farewell on your journey, farewell. Ma and Pa watched Billy and Sachi swim off across the still pond until they disappeared into the sunrise. Billy and Sachi traveled half the day to reach the place where a slow, dark creek branched away from the pond's east edge. Never in his entire life had Billy traveled so far from the pond. As the two frogs gently drifted down the creek, Billy slowly turned in the water to face home and floated backwards with only his head above water. When would he see his pond again? Sachi, too, was thinking of home, his rainforest, the great brown river. He quietly hoped that this soft current carried him in the right direction. We're both a long ways from home now, huh, Sachi? Yes. Thank you for taking this journey with me, Billy. After a long time floating down the creek, little light remained in the sky. Watching from above, you could have seen two frogs emerging from the creek into a much larger body of water. It's the Great Pond! From left to right, as far as the frogs could see, water filled the horizon. In the fading light, Sachi could see the shadowy outline of tall trees far away across the water. Phew! I wonder how many of my ponds would fit in this one. Very, very many. A hundred? A thousand? It just so happens that I am an expert in calculation and estimation. From a pine branch high above Billy and Sachi, a beautiful purple-black bird gazed down at the two frogs through jet-black eyes. I am Pogo the raven. I'm guessing you seek to cross the reservoir? The raven blinked once, slowly, and then refixed its gaze. Uh, just wanted to see the great pond. We're tourists. Yes, tourists indeed. Brilliant. I do admire your cross-strapped sack, Bullfrog. Exemplary work. Your diminutive orange-fingered friend fashioned it, perhaps? Uh, yes, I made it. Quite good. And what an unusual tourist you are. I just can't get enough of those red eyes of yours. I'll tell you this. 
The northern end of this reservoir is a splendid addition to any tourist's itinerary. The sequoia trees there are over a thousand years old. And you'll continue downriver from there, I suppose. Billy and Sachi crouched quietly together, staring up wide-eyed at the strange bird. He used many words they did not understand, but he seemed friendly. No one spoke. The raven blinked and then, splendid. Allow me to take some measurements quickly. Pogo glided down from his perch and used his beak as a reference to very rapidly measure Billy and Sachi's dimensions. Yes, I can have the harness ready by morning. You'll camp here? <laughs> Wonderful. Then we'll leave at dawn. Thank, Thank you, Pogo. Pogo. My pleasure. That does still leave the matter of compensation. Compensation? Price, my green friend. Cost. Investment in your journey. Those algae cakes in that neat sack of yours look simply delicious. Hey, but Pa made those cakes for... Never mind then, Pogo. We can swim across. Surely you can, with those robust legs of yours. I will tell you that the large hungry fish who prefer the dark, frigid, deep waters of the reservoir's center are also excellent swimmers. Neither Billy nor Sachi enjoyed thinking about large, hungry fish. We, we can crawl around the edge of the pond all the way to the Great River. I had noticed that unusual crawl of yours, my red-eyed acquaintance. Indeed, you can crawl the reservoir's perimeter. A short journey of fourteen days will bring you to the river's mouth. And do be sure to say hello to the hungry foxes that hunt among the reeds. Billy and Sachi liked the thought of hunting foxes even less than hungry fish. I'll give you three algae cakes to fly us across. Five, and no less. The exertion required to carry cargo across this reservoir is significant. Sachi climbed Billy's back and took out five green discs, the algae cakes, from the sack and handed them over to Pogo, who received them in a delicate grip of his beak. The raven backed up slightly and then flapped up into the air, still pinching the algae cakes in his beak. Nice doing business with you, chaps. I'll return at first light. <laughs> The sun had just begun to light the sky as Pogo fluttered down to the pine tree above where the two frogs were sleeping. He was carrying a tightly woven harness with two straps fashioned from heavy reed grass. He noticed that Billy and Sachi were now awake and staring up at him from below. Good morning, my frogs. Now you know that one strip of reed grass tears quite easily. A thousand strips woven together become unbreakable. Come now, let's test the fit. The raven landed and stretched each strap of the flight harness in opposite directions. 
a craftily made partition divided the harness into two sections, one large, the other small. The smaller side appeared to be weighted with a number of stones. Noticing Billy and Sachi's hesitance, Pogo said, It's sufficiently strong, my gentle frogs, and properly weighted for balance. As I said, I excel in estimation. All aboard. Billy and Sachi crawled over the harness and remained still as Pogo gathered the end of one strap in his right claw. The raven pulled at the strap and the harness tightened underneath Billy's body. Then Pogo flapped up into the air above the frogs and without letting go of the strip in his right claw, flew just over Sachi and landed with the other strap firmly in his left claw. Now Pogo held both ends of the harness. On three, froggies. One, two, three! Billy and Sachi jumped as Pogo lifted off the ground. The woven grass harness crackled with its new weight. Billy and Sachi were off the ground. Pogo pulled the frogs higher into the sky, his dark eyes focused with effort. From the air, Billy and Sachi could finally see the entirety of the great pond. It was a majestic view. The surface water reflected the morning sun like armor. Soon, Pogo and his cargo were flying over water, far away from the shore. A gust of wind blew up from behind. Pogo locked his wings out wide, and for the first time, Billy and Sachi experienced the pure joy of riding the wind. A flight of five geese appeared in a V-shaped formation on Pogo's right flank. They craned their necks to get a glimpse of the flying frogs. What an unusual sight! Flying frogs! Flying frogs! Flying frogs! Flying at such great heights, flying at such great heights, so many things to see, so many tiny trees. Hide in the morning breeze, do whatever you please, flying's the way to go, see the entire show. Flying at such great heights, flying at such great heights, so many things to see. The lead goose, flying at the front tip of the V formation, let out a shrill, and the entire flight abruptly turned to the east. The V formation remained perfectly spaced, and the geese seemed to move with one mind. From their flight harness, Billy and Sachi watched the geese turn into line-drawing silhouettes against the rising sun. I think I just felt water. Is it raining? Not raining. Misting. The falls are just ahead. The swishing and swashing of water became a roar. Strangely, the river seemed to be flowing out into open space. Water... And then, sky. Where does the pond go? It 
goes down. Pogo locked out his wings and turned sharply in an arc over the falls. Billy and Sachi looked down to where the falling water landed in a giant rock-bottomed pool. Our next pass over the falls will be our parting moment, so I will say goodbye now. Hold on, hold on. You're just gonna drop us? Indeed. And when I do, you will slowly glide down to the pool below at a leisurely pace, thanks to the parachutes attached to each end of your harness. I would suggest that you exit the pool as quickly as possible. The rapids downriver are not swimmable. Pogo's flight path returned them full circle to the head of the falls. This time, the raven flew straight out over the water. Pogo turned his head to make sure he was past the falls and above the deepest part of the pool, so far below. It's been a pleasure. Good luck, my fine tourists. Pogo released his clutch on the harness straps and the two frogs fell straight down. The terrifying descent had suddenly become a lazy glide downwards. Above the harness, Billy and Sachi could see two plastic bags filled with air. Parachutes! That raven is a magnificent builder. Do you see how everything is reinforced with reed grass? Ma and Pa won't believe this. Billy and Sachi swayed left and right as they floated down through a cool vapor mist all the way down to the pool. When they finally landed, Billy and Sachi swam out of their harness into the cool, crystal-clear water. Taking Pogo's advice, they quickly swam to the edge and crawled out. From the bank of the pool, Billy and Sachi watched the harness glide downstream, the plastic parachutes forming the tail of what looked like some strange fish. You see that, Sachi? The water's getting faster. The floating harness approached and then entered a place where the stream flowed over and through large rocks. The water turns white and frothy as it moves across those rocks. Those must be the rapids. Shaking violently, the flight harness was sucked down into the rapids and disappeared into the white water. It's gone. Wait, look there, Sachi. In the deep pool downstream of the rapids, the plastic parachutes had reappeared, but they were unattached to the harness, which was nowhere to be seen. How are we gonna swim through that? Back home, I often saw humans floating down the river in a giant leaf. The leaf was strong and would not break even in the rough water. Not a leaf. You mean a boat. Startled by the unexpected voice, Billy and Sachi turned to see a furry, round-faced creature with two giant flat teeth protruding from its mouth. A boat? That's what humans call them. Boats. And you can't make it through the rapids without one.
I'm Sebastian. We beavers are experts in shaping wood. The beaver then picked up a round stick and with sharp movements of those massive front teeth, quickly gnawed a miniature canoe. He placed the ship on the surface of the pool where it floated effortlessly. Wow. Cool. Easy peasy. All you got to do then is stay in the boat. <laughs> Can you build a boat big enough for both of us? Sure. Why not? In fact, I have some mahogany at home right now that should be perfect. The pair of frogs followed the beaver down a small creek. Sebastian was an amazing swimmer, and the frogs could hardly keep up. Soon they came to a place where the creek pooled behind a wall of wood. What is that? Why, that, my friend, is my home. We build them. They are called dams. Follow me. The beaver dove down and disappeared under the dam. Billy and Sachi shared a brief glance before following. They emerged on the other side of the wall, in a small chamber inside the dam. I didn't even know this room was here. Excellent. That is our intention, of course. The dam keeps us safe. Sebastian rummaged through a woodpile in the back of the small room. He dragged a large piece of reddish-brown wood into the dim light that filtered down through the spaces in the wood wall. This will be perfect. Uh, but I never like to work on an empty stomach. You like lakeweed? What is that? Although he had never eaten it before, Sebastian thoroughly enjoyed the delicious lakeweed that Sachi produced from Billy's sack. After the meal, the frogs watched in utter amazement as Sebastian went to work on the boat. His skill was masterful. The boat took shape in stages, rough at first, but cleaner and cleaner with each flash of white teeth. After some time, the beaver crawled back and observed the new boat with a very stern gaze. Not too bad. The wood is hard, but not too heavy. It will get you through. There are many rapids in succession, so remain alert and stay in the boat. Sebastian carefully removed two logs from the wall, creating a space just large enough to push the boat through the dam. Then Billy and Sachi followed Sebastian back under the wall and met their boat on the other side. I'll push you up the creek, back to the river. Like a furry tugboat, Sebastian joyfully propelled Billy and Sachi with his powerful tail from behind the boat. This boat is amazing, Billy. Sure beats swimming. A smooth ride up the creek brought them back to the river, and the sound of churning white water smashing non-stop against the rocks of the rapids. Sebastian gave the boat a final push into the fast current of the river. Good luck! The beaver treaded water for just a moment, watching the movement of his beautiful sculpture, and then his head disappeared under the water. The boat carrying Billy and Sachi was now hurtling downstream so fast 
that the trees had become a blur of brown and green. The first rapid was directly ahead. Brace yourself, Sachi. The boat flew between two large rocks and was channeled down into a mass of white, frothing water. The front of the boat smashed head first and then bobbed sharply upwards to stay afloat. The boat tipped to the left and right, threatening to toss the frogs out into the angry river. Billy, look out! The frogs were headed directly towards a giant rock. Hold on, Sachi! Billy dropped his left leg over the side near the back of the boat. His large webbed foot pushed back against the current and the boat began to turn in a smooth arc to the left. The right side of the boat scraped against the rock as it passed. The force of the impact threw Sachi against the side of the boat, but he managed to flatten himself out. You okay? I think so. Billy pulled his left foot out of the water and quickly extended his right leg into the water. Taking the boat out of its arc and returning it back onto a straight course, they glided into a deep, still pond and slowed to a peaceful pace. The roar of the rapids faded behind them. So that's how you steer this thing, huh? That was amazing, Billy. You saved us. With each rapid, the frog's skill of navigation grew. The sight of an approaching rapid was soon cause for joy replacing the sense of dread and doom. <laughs> In time, the rapids grew few and far between. As the sun began to set, the mighty river became a lazy stream. Less trees grew along the border here, and above the stream bank the frogs could hear strange sounds of whirring and whooshing. Not water but something else neither frog had heard before. The air began to smell bitter. This smell reminds me of a place in the rainforest where I once saw humans burning the trees. It smelled like this. Why were they burning all the trees? I don't know. The sky was almost dark when the boat ground to a stop. Beneath their boat, the once mighty stream had now dwindled to a thin layer of water flowing over concrete. This looks just like the canal back home. Sachi's red eyes instinctively scanned the area, the memory of the hunter-cat Grace fresh in his mind. Huh? Billy, look up there. As the sun drifted below the horizon, Billy and Sachi stared up at giant statues stretching into the night sky. Thousands of small lights were lit inside, and they twinkled like stars. Let's look at the map, Billy. On Old Frog's map, many small wiggly yellow lines ended at a large yellow dot. The great city on the ocean. Billy and Sachi decided to follow the canal. I do believe we are headed towards the great city, Sachi. It's just like Old Frog told us. The great city on the ocean. And there we will find the metal fish. And ride in its belly. (laughs) Billy and Sachi had faced so many obstacles and challenges on their journey. 
But now the great city was in sight. As they crawled into the darkness of a tunnel, they began to sing. Farewell on your journey, farewell. Farewell on your journey, farewell. <laughs> Toads! From out of the darkness, Billy and Sachi heard a threatening voice and stopped in their tracks. Let's welcome these frogs to the city. Properly. We're the Toad Clan, that's who we are. Try to get through this tunnel and you won't get far. <laughs> I'm Groat of the Toad Clan. Turn around and go home. Do it. Billy stepped in front of Sachi, his eyes calm, but unflinching. His breathing was slow and deep. We've come this far. We can't turn around. Sachi crawled up onto Billy's back to address the toads, who crouched in a group behind their leader, Groat. I am going home. I will cross the ocean in the belly of a metal fish, and I will see my family again. A metal fish? (laughs) (laughs) You want to catch a ride on a ship? I can get you to the docks. But it's gonna cost you. Sachi reached deep into the sack on Billy's back. No more algae cakes. No more lakeweed. He stretched his orange fingers all the way to the bottom of the sack and felt something. The fly jerky. Sachi pulled the delicious smelling jerky out of the sack and tossed it to Groat. Mmm, smells amazing. I'll take you to the docks. Without even looking, Groat tossed the bundle of fly jerky to a toad behind him. Well, what are you waiting for? Let's go. Follow me. The next few hours were a hazy blur of bright lights, grating sounds, and close calls. The great city was not a welcome place for the visitors from the pond. Groat said nothing besides an occasional Keep up! as Billy and Sachi followed him along curbs, down into sewers, through dimly lit parks. Humans were everywhere, towering above them, shouting, laughing, crying. Mama, Mama! I saw three frogs just now hopping across the street. Come along now, Daniel! Billy and Sachi discovered the source of the whirring and whooshing sounds they had heard. Everywhere, in every direction, giant metal horses zoomed around at breakneck speed. The metal horses stop moving when they see a red star. I noticed. And when the star turns green, they zoom off again. Billy and Sachi paused to glance up at one of the giant statues they had seen earlier. The statue grew straight up out of the ground, and though it was made of the smoothest stone they had ever seen, it had very sharp edges. It stretched up, up into the night sky, so high that Billy couldn't even see the top. Look how tall these statues are, Sachi. Ah. What happens when the wind blows? Quit staring at the skyscrapers and come on. We can get hydrated in a fountain just up ahead. 
rope led them across a street and into a quiet park that had a beautiful fountain pool at its center. Billy and Sachi followed Grote into the pool, and all three were relieved to be wet again. The city air was thick and hard to breathe. Hopping across so much cement and asphalt had dried them out. Okay, the docks are just a few blocks from here. If you're lucky, you can sneak on board one of the ocean liners. If the humans see you, well, humans don't seem to like us toads very much. And I doubt they want frogs aboard their ships either. So stay scarce. Keep a low profile. Humans are mean. Expect nothing but trouble. Grote hopped out of the fountain pool and disappeared into the bushes nearby. Billy and Sachi were alone once again. Late at night, the buzz of activity around the city seemed to slow. Hesitantly, Billy and Sachi exited the fountain and followed the road in the direction of the docks. <laughs> the air smells salty. A warm, moist breeze blanketed the frogs in a heavy, salty mist. Ahead, the road ended abruptly, and from there, water continued all the way to the horizon. Billy and Sachi crouched on the sidewalk in stunned silence. The frogs jumped at the low, sad blast of sound. The metal fish cries out. It came from that way. I think the two frogs set out in the direction of the sound. Soon they came to a wooden pier that extended way out into the water. Docked alongside was the largest fish Billy and Sachi had ever seen. The moonlight exposed a dark gray body with white stripes. It sat high up in the water. A low throbbing whirr could be heard underneath, and without warning, a massive cloud of dark smoke billowed out of its back. Look, Billy. Giant cranes were loading freight containers onto the ship's deck. I think the fish is going to carry all those boxes across the ocean. If we can jump on one of those boxes, we can get on the fish. Billy and Sachi took off towards the boxes. Hopping furiously, they watched the first of the two remaining boxes get lifted up into the air and down onto the ship's deck. Last one, Sachi. Let's go. The freight container was lifting off the ground just as the frogs got there. The walls of the container were ribbed and there was just enough space in between for Billy and Sachi to wedge their bodies tightly. Lifted like a small toy by the giant crane, the freight container swung up and out over the water. The frogs held on for dear life. The container landed on the ship's surface with a thud, and the low whir from below the ship became an angry roar. Billy and Sachi saw the water at the rear of the ship start to froth and churn. The ship shook itself awake. The ocean liner lurched and then slowly began to move out into the ocean. Its speed increased and soon the ship was moving at a steady, rapid pace. A muffled cycling, loud then soft played along with the crystalline sound of the ocean water breaking against the ship's bow. 
Billy and Sachi quietly watched the twinkling lights of the skyscrapers grow smaller and smaller, and then disappear. The ocean was still and dark as the fish settled into her long swim. This concludes Sound Tales, The Journey Home, Part 3. Visit soundtalespodcast.com for information on social media, live bookings, and more. This is Sound